Law School, where I've recently started a position as executive editor and program director for the Center for New York City Law. I'm excited to be at New York Law School in this role to be able to keep bringing you Max Politics from the Center for New York City Law and to get to work building on the legacy and infrastructure of the center to enhance programming, reporting, and commentary on New York policy, government, and law. So stay tuned for more from the Center for New York City Law and New York Law School. We've got a lot in the works to build on what's already going on here, including the great city law breakfasts that occur on occasion, as well as the reporting in city law and city land. And we're working on much more to bring you. And now Max Politics is here at New York Law School, and we're continuing our in-depth conversations on New York policy and politics. Today on the show, We are digging further into the New York City budget picture and debates over Mayor Eric Adams's mid-fiscal year update released mid-November, the November budget modification that included a number of cuts to city services, reductions in budget, budgeted personnel for city agencies, and other changes that have raised a lot of concerns as the mayor deals with a very challenging fiscal picture, budget gaps in out years, the end of federal pandemic aid, which in some cases was used by the prior administration and the city council to fund ongoing programs that people want to see stick around and expanded, but that money that's funding them is running out. Challenging fiscal picture for the mayor, of course, also including the migrant crisis that has arrived in the city, well over 100,000 asylum seekers who've come over the last year and a half, and many of them unable legally to work and in the city's care. A lot of challenges for the mayor, and yet still even people sympathetic to his position are raising questions about some of the decisions that he's making in especially this budget modification that we're diving into further here today. The mayor himself has said he did not like crafting this budget update, but he's claimed that he made the choices he felt were necessary. Others disagree, however, pushing back on reductions to funding for libraries CUNY, police officers, parks workers, composting and trash pickup, community schools, early childhood education offerings, and more. We are speaking here on Tuesday, December 12, 2023. It's the day after the New York City Council held a marathon hearing on the mayor's November budget modification. My guest today chaired that hearing and is the chair of the City Council's Finance Committee, City Council member Justin Brannon. He's a Brooklyn Democrat, and he will join me in a couple of minutes here to discuss the hearing, the budget debates and negotiations that are underway, and what comes next. There are major questions about what the city council can and will do about the mayor's budget adjustment, and we're in similar territory to where we were a year ago, uh, although the cuts this time are more significant. Back then, the council was upset about mid-fiscal year budget changes, but ultimately didn't really do anything about them for several reasons that we can get into with Council Finance Chair Brandon in a minute when we talk about what the council might do this time around. First, let me give you a rough and tumble bit of background and throw some numbers at you to frame our conversation. You don't have to catch them all, but 
what follows are some key bits of information and some important context on the current budget discussion. Before I do that, actually, let me also highlight that I had another in-depth budget conversation on the prior episode of the show with experts from the Citizens Budget Commission covering a lot of different ground than what you'll hear today with Councilmember Brandon, who is largely going to talk with us about what he heard at the hearing and where things stand now. When I talked with the experts from the Citizens Budget Commission, we got into a whole lot more about sort of the broader city budget picture, the fiscal condition of the city, and a lot of aspects of that. So they're complementary in a way. All right, a little bit of context before I bring on Councilmember Brannon. As of Mayor Adams's November budget modification for the current fiscal year, which is fiscal year 2024, running from July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024, the budget is now expected to be $110.5 billion for the current fiscal year. That's a growth of $3.4 billion since the budget was adopted at the very end of June when the mayor and the city council had a budget agreement and it was passed by the council at the very end of June. Those changes are largely based on a variety of new spending needs from greater than projected spending on several fronts at the Department of Education, as well as on services for tens of thousands of asylum seekers, as well as certain expenditures at the fire department and many other agencies. There are a broad list of new spending needs and projections. That updated spending plan also includes the recognition of $2.6 billion more than expected in grant funds from other levels of government and hundreds of millions of dollars more in city tax revenue than was expected, largely based on increases in income and sales tax receipts. It also, crucially, controversially, includes a savings program that reduces projected spending by $1.7 billion across city agencies. So even though the overall budget is growing here by a projected $3.4 billion since adopted, that also includes, that's a net figure, that includes the $1.7 billion in the savings program. That includes hundreds of millions of dollars in direct service cuts to things like trash pickup and library operations and a whole bunch more. As I mentioned, the November budget update accounts for a wide variety of new spending needs that have been identified since budget adoption, including, but not nearly only, an additional $1.8 billion in the current fiscal year for services for asylum-seeking migrants in the city's care. That is bringing the total fiscal year expected expenditure on migrant costs to $4.74 billion for this fiscal year. Now, outside experts cast some doubt on those projections, and many voices want to see the city rein in those expenses, which the Adams administration is now working on through several initiatives. It is also important to note a lot of the controversy around this budget is because there are a variety of projections agreed to between the mayor and the city council at the very end of June that have now been sort of blown up, and some of the changes in the mayor's budget plan for this current fiscal year that were being negotiated through last spring, he has now undone. And you'll hear council member Justin Brandon talk a bit about the frustration at the council around some of those choices. In a in a controversial move, the Adams administration did update those migrant cost uh, expenditure projections significantly for this fiscal year and those to come. This is as the city tries to get more help from the federal government and even more help from the state government, which has been much more helpful 
than the federal government. There are questions about how the city is dealing with those migrant costs, including the contracting processes and what kinds of contracts and contract oversight and a whole bunch of things that relate to those costs that I won't get into uh, right now. But a lot of these challenges led the mayor to call for a 5% program to eliminate the gap, otherwise known as a PEG. This is the savings program requiring city agencies to present to him 5% in potential savings for the current fiscal year. And he then instituted the $1.7 billion in spending reductions from the adopted budget. And he has plans for more savings programs to be instituted in the coming budget plans. The next one is due in January. The questions around some of those choices include whether it was necessary for the mayor to accept direct service cuts. There are other pieces to the picture, uh, by the way, that also include things related to personnel vacancies that aren't necessarily accounted for as direct service cuts, but absolutely can relate to services and whether the city is able to perform many of the tasks that it needs uh, to perform. And so when you talk about direct service cuts, there's also related matters and there is some gray area in terms of what counts as a service cut and what doesn't. There are a variety of aspects to a program to eliminate the gap and things that can be called savings. In some cases, by the way, that even includes increased revenue. So if certain city agencies are able to bring in more revenue for the city, that can actually count towards their savings goals because it's helping the city's bottom line and meet those numbers. Um, There are ongoing questions about personnel policies in city government and the city's ability to fill thousands of budgeted vacant positions across city agencies and how understaffing may be impacting service delivery. There's a lot of metrics that are not looking great for the city that are in the mayor's management report and relate to some of the vacancies and then also other challenges with, with performing things like food stamp approvals, closing affordable housing deals and more. It's important to note, though, of this $1.7 billion in savings, only a small percentage is from direct service reductions. According to Budget Director Jacques Jiha at the city council hearing that occurred on Monday, December 11th, 82% of the PEG, the program to eliminate the gap, the $1.7 billion in saving, is not cutting direct programs. There's all sorts of other methods, including spending re-estimates, and other things. And Director Jiha said he was happy to work with the council if they have ideas on addressing program and service cuts. This is something the mayor even has indicated that he's open to. But then when it comes to the actual budget plans and documents, um, there seems to be less willingness from the mayoral administration to adjust some of these plans. There's an additional round of pegs coming. The mayor has already announced. He's already asked his city agencies to prepare those savings plans. That will be seen in mid-January with the preliminary budget for next fiscal year. Uh, So more to come. The mayor also announced a directive to city agencies to reduce migrant-related spending by 20%, and he also continues to push other levels of government for more help there. As of the November budget update, important to note, there's now a projected $7.1 billion gap for next fiscal year. That is something the mayor and his budget team have to close by the January plan. So that's part of where they're trying to put into perspective all these debates over the service cuts and the funding, saying they even have more that they have to figure out how to shave off of spending for the next budget plan. So Councilmember Brennan will join me in a minute to discuss all of that and more. 
uh, and many of the challenges that the city is facing while the city council and other voices are pushing back on the mayor's decisions. A few other quick notes here on the city's fiscal picture. Let me say from other perspectives, including the council, the city council's economic and tax revenue forecast for the current fiscal year based on the November budget update was released just before the city council hearing. And it says it estimates $1.2 billion more in tax revenue for the current fiscal year than the mayor's budget office is projecting. So right there, immediately, the council is saying we will have $1.2 billion this fiscal year that could be used to offset some of these direct service cuts. The mayoral administration has yet to recognize that revenue. The city also has in-year reserves that are also budgeted, which the city council speaker Adrian Adams and council finance chair Brandon have called on the city to use at least some of to avoid some of these cuts. The city's independent budget office, which does its own projections and analysis of city uh, budget issues, is projecting that the city will end the 2024 fiscal year with an additional $3.6 billion in surplus above the city's current estimates. So that's a significantly, significantly more in potential projected city coffers than what the mayoral administration is recognizing at this moment. There are a variety of other ways in which the independent budget office known as IBO wants to see the city update some of its projections. Uh, for example, the IBO estimates that the city will spend $3.5 billion less than the Office of Management and Budget forecast in 2024, but $366 million more than their estimates for 2025. But that's significant. The IBO is projecting $3.6 billion more in surplus this fiscal year and that the city will spend $3.5 billion less than forecasted this fiscal year. It also has questioned the administration's asylum seeker costs. It said it modeled three cost scenarios based on assumptions for the projected population, daily costs, etc. These scenarios, all three of them, result in lower expenditures for this fiscal year and next than the Adams administration is projecting. So a variety of other ways in which the Independent Budget Office is also questioning or tweaking or suggesting changes to projections and, and so forth. All right, let's get to my conversation here with Councilmember Brandon, where he can give his and some city council perspective on what's happening here around the city budget. And so to break it all down further and to discuss the marathon hearing that he just chaired is city council finance chair, Justin Brannon, council member Brannon. Thanks for joining me again. How are you? Good, man. I got a budget hangover. <laughs> yeah. How many hours did you go at this hearing? A little over 11 hours. 11 hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you heard obviously for the first several hours from the mayor's budget team, especially budget director Jiha. And then you heard from some labor leaders and you went panel after panel hearing from more people, including public testimony, outside budget experts and, and, and others. Uh, biggest takeaways from the hearing, we'll get into a whole bunch of specifics, but what stands out to you? You held this hearing on the mayor's budget modification. As I said in the introduction, this is pretty much the most drastic November mid-fiscal year budget modification that we've seen in many years. Um, 
you you bring officials in to discuss the changes, a lot of differences of opinion between the council and the mayor's budget team. You held the hearing. What were a couple of your biggest takeaways from the hearing? Well, right off the bat, I guess the number one takeaway is the the gulf between what where what our economists are seeing, what IBOs what IBO is seeing, what the controller is seeing, um, versus what OMB is seeing. Um, so, I guess a couple of things. I think it was important yesterday for me going into it to get OMB on the record to admit that um, we're not here solely because of the migrant crisis. Um, I, you know, I think that's a dangerous narrative. I think when you got people, tabloids who are more than happy to divide and conquer and foment, um, you know, just divisiveness and xenophobia and just general awfulness. Um, you know, it's it's dangerous when you start telling people uh, the mayor is cutting the cops because of, you know, migrants, right? So it was important to get OMB on the record to uh, acknowledge that, we would have budget gaps right now with or without uh, the migrant crisis. So that that was a victory for me. Um, uh, and then, you know, it was highlighting the stark differences between what our economists are seeing, what IBO and the controller is seeing versus what OMB is seeing, which are just two very, very different realities. Um, I mean, OMB, not only did they acknowledge that the, the current budget gaps would exist with or without the migrant crisis, they also acknowledged that uh, the November plan tax forecast was based on um, an economic model that is now eight months old. So uh, they will update their uh, tax and revenue forecast in time for the FY25 prelim budget in January. Uh, but but the cuts that they're um, looking to make now are based on an, a very old forecast from last April or May, um, you know, and, and things have changed since then. Right. And, and the council, you know, between the council IBO and the controller, we're all seeing, you know, about a million, uh, sorry, about $1.5 billion more than OMB is seeing. If you average out sort of everyone's forecast, the council is saying 1.2 billion. Um, and, that's because the, the this city economy, though uh, it's finally showing signs of, of slowing down, uh, it's it's proved to be resilient and durable. And post COVID, uh, tax revenue has, you know, uh, basically outperformed even the most conservative forecasts that were out there. So, um, you know, now it becomes sort of a question of what's really needed in terms of cuts and why. And, you know, the council is not, I think, look, and I've been trying to be clear on this, that we're not denying, there's obviously budget gaps here. We're not, we're not saying that those aren't real, um, but we don't think that they're unmanageable and we don't think that they're, that the gaps are so wide that we need to make such drastic cuts. And, um, you know, I think, uh, one of the things that obviously fires us up is that a lot of the things that 
uh, you know, the administration is looking to cut in, in the November plan are things that we shook hands on just, you know, six months ago in the rotunda, right? When we do that handshake, it's, it's more than just a ceremonial handshake. It's, it's, that's the budget, right? That's where the council and the mayor agrees on how we're going to invest and deploy uh, taxpayer funds. And, and, you know, we, we do, we negotiate to get to, to get to that day. So that it certainly wasn't lost on us that a lot of the stuff that OMB was uh, first to throw onto the chopping block uh, were the very things that the council fought so hard for. And that included, uh, you know, seven, uh, seven day a week library service, uh, it included the community schools. It included the composting. You know, th- these are issues that the council prioritized and fought for because that's what our constituents were were asking about and, and telling us and asking us to fight for. So, you know, it, it calls into question sort of, you know, what's a handshake if <laughs> if, you know, we shake hands and, and six months later, the very things that we shook hands on your. Uh, offering up for sacrifice, right? So, you know, we've got a little under 1.5 billion in surplus. So in total, it's it's over $3 billion to close what OMB is saying is a $7 billion deficit, um, which, you know, you do the math, it's about a $4 billion gap, which historically is, is a very manageable gap to close, you know? Um, and as I as I was saying in the in the introduction and in the prior episode I mentioned of the podcast where I I gave an overview of the budget situation before your hearing and and talked with some experts from Citizens Budget Commission, people really need to understand that uh, a program to eliminate the gap, a peg, a savings program is not just service cuts. That is actually very often only a small percentage of a savings program. Often it's re-estimates of spending, it's re-estimates of revenue, it's a variety of other things. In some cases here, it's been elimination of some budgeted vacant positions in city government. We'll talk about that in a few minutes maybe. But there's there's a whole bunch of strategies involved here that the mayor's team is instituting yet another round of, as I mentioned, for the January plan that will be coming forward for the preliminary budget for next fiscal year. So as you say, very often a three, four, even $5 billion budget gap several months out for the next fiscal year is manageable. It's not lovely to do, but it's manageable. Um, The questions I think continue to be, so, so one, we'll be looking ahead to that and maybe we'll come back to that, but let's stick with the current fiscal year. The questions continue to be, okay, certain new needs and spending arise. Let's even say that the mayor and his team budgeted in good faith around the asylum seeker services, but then quickly realized after the budget adoption that expenses were just exploding, uh, which they said is what happened in August, which defies some logic, uh, but we'll come back to, to that. In the current fiscal year, the mayor is then left with choices around, okay, how do I keep the current fiscal year in balance? And let's dig in a little bit more on sort of those choices. So you have uh, you have a savings program that the mayor institute, which they say is, is shaving off $1.7 billion in spending from the current fiscal year. But then again, as I said, most of that is not direct service cuts. So talk about the direct service cuts and the debate you're having with the mayoral administration about what to do with that. You say there's more tax revenue coming in. Why not just use that? I heard city council members in the hearing you chaired 
repeatedly, including yourself, repeatedly asking the budget director, why not use this additional revenue to undo some of those service cuts? Right. So it's a bit of- You went round and round on that quite a bit. It's a card game, right? So, and this is, this is, you know, this, I'm going to, uh, to, to pull back the, uh, the curtain a little bit here. Um, it's a card game that OMB plays where, and it's, this is just what they do, right? Um, they typically do not acknowledge or recognize uh, increased revenue until they've got a plan for how they want to spend it. So if in order, so part of the reason why they haven't updated their forecast since April or May um, is for that very reason. So in order for, um, you know, and OMB inevitably come January prelim, they absolutely will acknowledge what we've, what we're saying right now, which is that there's at least $1.2 billion over what was uh, originally estimated in tax revenue. And then they're going to say, yep, we acknowledge that the money is there and here's what we're going to do with it. Because what they don't want to do is negotiate with us about how (laughs) that money should be allocated. So, um, And there's some legitimate motives to that, right? Which is being careful and cautious with the city budget. Sure. Careful and cautious is fine, but not when you're talking about making cuts that uh, you know, New Yorkers are going to see their their trash can on their corner overflowing. Right. So there's obviously a choreography to this and, you know, to to, you know, how the sausage gets made, I guess. But when you're talking about very real cuts, you're talking about, you know, just on that the community composting program where you're going to have one hundred and something, one hundred and fifteen people, half of them are union workers who would lose their jobs like a week before Christmas. Like, you know, maybe it's time to acknowledge that the money is there so we don't have to put people, you know, out of work a week before Christmas, you know? Um, so there, there's obviously a bit of, of uh, you know, theater to this. Um, but we're, say, we're saying in a time like this, when, when look, look, the way we started this conversation today was that we had an 11-hour hearing yesterday. Obviously, something is going on where... People are pretty upset about the cuts that are being proposed. Um, a November plan should never uh, elicit an 11-hour <laughs> oversight hearing. So I think you know that should tell you uh, intrinsically that something something is wrong, um, and that maybe uh, these these cuts aren't necessary right now. So, what's your best? explanation and maybe you're just totally mystified but what's your best explanation for new yorkers here about why the administration is refusing to use either some of the in fiscal year reserves that are pretty much always there just in case or the additional over the over projection revenue that's coming in so there's there's several billion dollars that could be used now budget director jihad basically said well part of the reason is we have this seven billion dollar gap to fill for next fiscal year. So maybe take that as the rationale, but what's your best explanation about why the administration wouldn't take half a billion dollars, a billion dollars of that to plug these direct service cuts? Do you have any sense beyond that one reason as to why the mayor is doing this? There are a couple of council members who said at the hearing, and I think you've said this in, in other venues and maybe I missed it at the hearing, but that this seems 
a little bit like a ploy from the mayor to try to leverage for more federal help for asylum seeker aid because the federal government has clearly been largely MIA and helping the city financially on this crisis. And I don't know that there's anybody outside of the federal government who thinks, you know, that's okay. Um, But is it that? Is that your understanding? Is that how you would explain it to New Yorkers that A, they're worried about the next fiscal year gap and B, they're probably trying to leverage outrage for more federal help on the migrant crisis? Do you have any other explanation, any other thoughts on why they wouldn't say, okay, we can use some of this three plus billion dollars right now to not reduce trash pickup, to not have the libraries closed on Sundays, et cetera? Um, no, that, that that's the only thing it could be. I mean, I will say that... Um, I think the mayor came into office um, looking to be fiscally conservative. I don't think anyone could uh, suggest that he somehow pulled off his mask after he was inaugurated and uh, became someone else. I mean, I, I remember having a conversation about pegs, I think, before he was even sworn in. Um, so I think he came into office as a fiscal conservative. Um, but. Uh, the only other explanation is, and it's, it's a cynical one, but the only other explanation is trying to get the attention of uh, Washington and Albany, um, who I think by, you know, all accounts uh, have not done enough um, for New York City, which is the economic engine for the country and one of the, you know, top five, uh, you know, uh, contributors to the, to the GDP. So, you know, I, so, but that said, I mean, you have house Republicans who would sooner watch New York city burn to the ground than help us out, you know, with, with a fire hose. So, uh, and I've been critical. I, you know, I'm a Democrat who's absolutely fine being critical of my own party and calling out the president and whatever, if I don't think that they're doing the right thing by, uh, my city. Um, but, it seems pretty clear that this may have been a Hail Mary uh, to try to finally get the attention of folks for the situation that we're in that's just not sustainable. And I think this is where it gets a little bit complicated because the council doesn't necessarily disagree uh, with with that that sentiment, right? Like we agree that it should not be, regardless of if we think the mayor is doing a good or bad job on the migrant crisis, we agree that it should not be the sole responsibility of a municipality to um, finance or manage a migrant crisis. It just not, we don't have it. We don't have a department of resettlement for a reason, right? That's a federal responsibility. And the fact that, you know, for myriad reasons that we can we can discuss and, and debate the fact that we're not getting the help that we should be getting from Washington um, is is really a dereliction of duty. And I think, um, you know, New York City, we're on our own. And the problem is that you're never going to finance a migrant crisis by cutting your own budget. So the council has dug in um, with Trump. You know, we had a, a very long hearing a couple of months ago. Uh, to dig into the migrant costs. And we haven't gotten really a straight accounting of 
how this is being financed and to, to make sense of the costs. And sort of the only plan that we've received back from the administration has been just more cuts. And we're just not going to cut our way out of this thing. So I think a lot of it, yeah, I think a lot of it is trying to get attention, shock and awe, trying to get attention from Washington and get more money from Albany. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just, I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah. I mean, all signs are that it's, it's not, although uh, maybe a little bit more help from Albany, it is worth noting. And I think you, you know, be among the first to acknowledge this, that the state has put in a lot more financial help for the city than the federal government has. Director Jiha said, told you very directly at the hearing that the state has pledged almost $2 billion so far for this purpose, while the federal government has provided $156 million. Uh, so huge disparities there. Yeah, in the, I mean, in it's, it's embarrassing. It's um, it's embarrassing. In terms of the Hail Mary, I mean, it uh, indications are that there's not a lot of help coming anytime soon, although... I mean, it's not that far off. I mean, we're basically a year off from having the next election in the rear view, and there's a potential for changes in the makeup of the federal government that could be more supportive to the city. We saw this during COVID, right? We saw a situation where Republicans at the national level were very, very hesitant to send direct aid to states and cities to help yeah. uh, with COVID. And then the, Joe Biden won the election and things changed. I, yeah, I, Ben, I can tell you when we were, I don't want to cut you off, but just, okay. just let you into the room. Like Please. when we, when the speaker uh, led the delegation to uh, Washington a couple of months ago, you know, I, I won't tell you who we heard it from, but very high level uh, people who were very candid with us about this, the house, it's just not going to work. Like the house Republicans are not going to help us period. The end, like the only way we're going to get them to help is if we somehow find a way to connect support for, for the New York city migrant crisis with, you know, uh, money for more wars. Like there's, they're just not going to help. You know, and 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 it was really cynical and awful, and I think the worst uh, part of our politics. And but that's where we're at. And they would sooner, you know, you're talking about both parties that have kicked the can down the road on immigration reform for decades, and now they're seeing New York City suffering, and they're like giddy about it. There, do, there does seem to be in between the the things we're talking about. There does seem to be some potential leeway of things that the president could do through FEMA and and helping the city a bit more that doesn't require congressional approval, I think. But a lot of any funding requests, you know, do need do need congressional approval as as you're getting at there. No, yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I'm not, you know, and again, I'm not afraid to call out uh, the president, whether he's from my own party or not. I do think there's more that the White House could be doing to help us out. Um, but Spe real, the real help that we need cannot come without, without the house. Speaking of the hail Mary, uh, again, it reminds me of during some of those COVID days when the 
huge drop off in income taxes that some people thought was going to happen never happened, right? Because most of the people who lost their jobs during COVID were low wage workers and and actually people at the higher end of the economic spectrum wound up doing extremely well because uh, the stock market actually <laughs> stayed strong and some of the bailout packages, you know, and rescue packages actually helped and so forth. And so there were actually questions back then which relate to questions now, which is if you and the mayor were to be able to show the federal government that you're not making any service cuts and there aren't actually that big uh, fiscal challenges in the city, then there might be more questions about, well, why does the city even need help on the migrant crisis, right? So you can you can yeah, see some of, of yeah. the mayor's Hail Mary, right? No, there's, a there's, a, you know, there's, there's many layers of cynicism here at play. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think we were, you know, I think we were struggling <laughs> quite enough. Uh, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know that we had to go to this level where, you know, the mayor himself, a former cop, is talking about freezing, uh, you know, new cadet classes or the mayor who I think the only person who cares more about getting the garbage picked up than me might be the mayor who's talking about, you know, cuts to sanitation. So this is a hell of a Hail Mary. So let me ask you this in, in New York. Uh, right. So, yeah, that that all makes sense. I mean, and, and the question is, should he be making this Hail Mary and is it going to have any impact? No, but, you know, but to put a period on that, Ben, yeah. you're right. I mean, there is a world where, like you said, during COVID, where, where it's like, well, it looks like New York City's doing OK, so we can move on to Nebraska. Um, yeah, I get that. Um, so in in old New York parlance, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know what 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 do you what's the city council going to do here? The mayor has submitted this November budget modification. It is um, raising all sorts of questions and criticism from city council members and outside experts and advocates and others. There are some who you know think what he's doing is is solid and okay, even if they don't love some of the service cuts and they want. Um, you know, him to sort of get get support for the decision making that he's he's saying is necessary here. The city council has limited powers, but what are the options here? Is there any way now that he's made this November budget budget modification to get him to change it? What can the city council do? What are you going to do? Where are we at? So the the budget mod, I mean, I don't want to get too into the weeds on this, but the, the budget mod can be changed, right? The, the OMB could ostensibly say, well, we heard you yesterday and we still need to make cuts, but we heard you on this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, here's a new mod, an updated mod uh, that we think, you know, you'll be uh, less upset with. Um, that's one thing that can happen. Um you know, or we just have to stumble to January, uh, you know, to, to see the mayor's prelim, which I think is going to be pretty gruesome, um, you know, based on the conversations we're having. Um, but I think it's this is an important time for the council to, um, you know, a couple things. I think yesterday there was an interesting um, back and forth with uh, Director Jiha about tax breaks. And I think, um, you know, uh, Council Member Menon brought up her bill to create the new office um, to look at healthcare savings that could save us, you know, $2 billion. And this is stuff that is, you know, I think Director Jiha kind of bristled at it a bit and said, well, this isn't going to help us right now. It's like, yeah, I know. But it's sort of penny wise, pound foolish for us not to look at these 
tax breaks, where you got $14 billion in tax breaks that I think are, are worthy of review. They might not fix our immediate gaps, but had we addressed these these tax breaks two years ago, then maybe we'd be in a better place right now. So I think this this brings to bear, um, I'm hoping, uh, a lot of ideas that we've had kicking around for a while, a lot of them that, that uh, would require Albany to help us out, um, you know, to, to generate more revenue for the city. And I think, you know, most people hear revenue raiser, uh, certainly, you know, the New York post here is revenue raiser and they instinctively think it's, it's code word for raising taxes, but we've been clear that we're not going to touch property taxes. So I think it's also important to talk about raising revenue in terms of the city collecting on, uh, unpaid fines and fees. And then again, reviewing those tax breaks. So, um, I think council member Brewer had a hearing that, 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 you know, uh, shook out that the city is owed about $2 billion in unpaid fines and, and fees from the last six years. So you, you take that, you take $14 billion in tax breaks. You know, I think the city could also be generating hundreds of millions of dollars more per year if you're investing in your revenue generating workforce. Um, so, you know, uh, tax auditors, assessors, you know, we're just, this is just money that this is not a time for us to be leaving money on the table. And I think we're leaking all over the place with the, the, the money that we're leaving on the table right now. Okay. So as director Jiha said, a lot of that would be medium to longer term or, or even, even, even just one fiscal year down the road, this fiscal year, this budget modification, a, is there an ongoing effort to get the mayor and OMB to pull back this modification and make a slight even slight adjustment to it to restore some of these service cuts, or do you see it as pretty much a done deal at this point? B, either way, is the council going to consider voting this down, which would bring us back to the prior financial plan that the mayor had submitted and throw things into a bit of chaos until maybe that shocks OMB into and the mayor into quickly making a change? Or C, like last year, will the council just sort of let this um, age into effect as a protest by not voting it through, but not really do anything about it. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's still too soon to say, right. It's, it's literally the morning after the hearing. Um, you know, I'd love to get to a place where there are some changes made to the mod and we get to a place where we can, um, where we can live to fight another day. Um, I also think that the case we made yesterday was, um, you know, when we're estimating $1.2 billion more in revenue than OMB has projected, um, you know, we're talking about that that's money that can be used right now um, to fill some of these gaps. So I think there's a couple different ways we can go. I think it's too soon to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at the end of the day, the speaker certainly and, and her leadership team, I mean, we understand that our job is to, is to keep the city running. You know, our job is, is our job is to keep the lights on and, and live to fight another day. But I think, you know, the testimony we heard yesterday, certainly from several hours of testimony from the public um, is is very real. And it shows that, you know, these these are cuts that are painful um, and cuts that we just think they're they're too deep and that they're just not necessary. So I think it's too soon to say it's not out of the question for OMB to submit a revised mod. Um, 
but but I think it's just too too soon to say at this point. Mm-hmm. Again, not, typically November plans do not uh, do not elicit an eleven hour hearing. So, and in our last few few minutes here, just a few more questions. One: Does the council have a list of priorities? If the if somehow the mayoral administration, which again appears unlikely, but after this hearing and some of the public outcry and some of the poll numbers we've seen and all of that, uh, let's say they they hear that if they do consider an adjustment does the council have a list of priorities to say all right if even if you're going to restore just a few hundred million dollars of cuts do you have a list of priorities there or that would obviously be a a new conversation perhaps with the mayoral administration or they would kind of just make their own choices um you know look i'm not uh, it's not about giving up state secrets here but i think a lot of the priorities are the very things that they cut right like the seven day a week library service the community composting uh, the community schools money, some of the CUNY stuff. This is all like, like I, I think we said before, like this was stuff that the council was ready to walk away from the negotiating table back in June over that are now back on the chopping block. And I think it just, you know, it, it calls into question this, this, you know, co-equal branch of government relationship that we're supposed to have um, that that's we're often reminded of is a little bit lopsided. So I think if, if OMB were to come to us and say, look, let's let's try to make this work, then I think, you know, the speaker would put together a list of priorities that that, you know, from talking to her members. But I think based on the hearing yesterday, I think it's pretty clear. I don't, like I don't think anyone yesterday, any of my colleagues or anyone in the public were making no one came to that hearing um, to raise issues that were not germane to, to the cuts currently. Right. It was like, look, this is stuff we just agreed on right. basically a cup of coffee ago. And you're saying you're going to cut it again. So maybe I'm being repetitive here, but I do think there's a little bit of sentiment out there. So let me sort of ask it again a little differently of people who don't like what the mayor's choices are here. But they're also wondering, OK, city council members, you're all saying you don't like it. You're all saying he's going back on this handshake. What are you going to do? What, you know, why not play hardball? Why not vote down the budget modification and force their hand? Or why not, uh, you know, take more drastic measures? I mean, it's I don't it's just unfortunately, it's just not that simple, because I think January is really the prelim budget is really what we need to be focusing on. Um, I think this is obviously taking up all the oxygen now. But, you know, uh, it's it's already middle of December, um, you know, 35 days from now or 30. I don't know what the clock is, but, uh, you know, we'll have a, a new FY25 prelim budget that by all uh, accounts is going to be pretty gruesome. So mm-hmm. we're, we're sort of looking, f- looking ahead to battling out, um, you know, the, the, the next e- round, the next round, you know, so we've kind of got to, we've got to navigate this one so we can, so we can live to fight another day in January, which I think is really going to be the time when we're going to have to really, you know, uh, muster up, you know, because I think that's going to be, a, it's going to be tough. I'm going to let you go here. Let me know any final thoughts, anything we didn't touch on here that you think is especially important. Um, There are a bunch of things, you know, we didn't get to in this conversation. You and I have talked a little bit about in the past related to sort of personnel policies. We can revisit that down the road a little bit. Uh, You know, questions around filling vacancies and attrition in the city workforce. I mean, there's also questions here that came up at the hearing that I thought were really interesting that seemed to get at some council members saying, okay, you 
save some money here with a vacancy reduction program, which is basically saving money that wasn't going to be spent anyway, because there's nearly 20,000 budgeted vacancies across city government and the government, you know, can barely, uh, you know, keep a net positive growth in in the headcount that's budgeted. But uh, maybe there should be more vacancies reduced in order to fund some of these service cuts, if that's a choice you have to make. Um, but, you know, comment on that if you want, or we can get into that another time. But anything we haven't touched on here that's really important from your perspective, from the council's perspective, as we move forward in this process, and I let you go here. No, I mean, look, I, the council's been clear, we, you know, we're, we're not going to raise property taxes, we're not going to do layoffs. Uh, the vacancy piece is, is you know, it's a new dynamic now, because when you're talking about, um you know, obviously we're all, we're doing hiring halls and holding out hope that those that those spots are going to be filled, but it's a year later and it's like molasses and it's just not happening. So, for us to carry that, uh, you know, to carry that that weight while we're cutting stuff that's in the here and now, um, you know, that choice becomes a bit clearer. I think so. Um, you know, it's it's another thing we're going to have to look at. You know, and I think look, I think I'm still sort of doing the the the, the autopsy of the uh, you know the, the post mortem of the hearing yesterday, but I think we got a lot of good out of it, a lot of clarity on it, and we'll arm ourselves to go, you know, fight for the people in, in, again in January. And notable, by the way, that uh, this is this is coming up on the end of the two year council class, so you have a slight slight adjustment in the makeup of the council, not a big change, but uh, new new council class starting in January with four new members. So that's a little bit slightly different. Uh, everybody expects, obviously, the speaker to be reelected speaker for two more years and and for you to remain finance chair. But there will be a new council class, you know, uh, coming in for this next steps of the process here once uh, once we get into the new year. So that's an interesting thing. And I guess I should have said early on, this is our first time speaking since you uh, won a tough re-election. So congratulations on that. Thank you. The debate we did on the, this podcast was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought that I thought that was good. I thought it was a good substantive and, and fiery debate. Indeed. So, and people were People, including myself, and and maybe you were expecting your election to be a lot closer, so you won by a, a wider margin than most people expected. Um, anyway, thanks for the time. I appreciate you joining me for this uh, discussion, especially after that marathon hearing. Uh, and we'll be seeing what the what the council puts out next in its in its <laughs> move here coming out of the hearing in terms of the budget negotiations with the, with the mayor, Councilmember Justin Brandon. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Ben. Thank you. Mm-hmm.